Hey guys, thanks for joining me. I haven't been feeling well lately, so I figured I'd get some doctors together so we can talk about what modern medicine has to offer me. Now, I know I know you guys aren't into all that diet and nutrition nonsense, you know, like that quackery, but uh, let's talk about what you do have. Let's just go around the room, no particular order. Uh, what about you, Sawbones? What can you do to help me uh, feel better? There we have a knife. I'm going to make one cut right down the center. Now, you know, you can stuff that beautifully. I'm going to take this right down the center. I'm going to flex that knife right under the skin, and I'm going to work it right back to the back. I can actually take the meat right off the skin. Beautiful. Now, that's what I call a sharp fillet. Now, my mama's favorite. This one's called the chop and scoop. Ow, that sounds terrible. Um, I don't know if I'm down for that. Just so everybody knows, I can actually take the meat right off the skin. Yeah, I heard you. It sounds like it sucks. Sounds barbaric. I mean, we have the greatest medical system in the world. There's got to be better options. Uh, what about you, dude? You look smart. Um, what can you do to help me feel better? In general, radiation causes ionization in the component atoms of cells altering their chemical nature and impairing or destroying their normal function. And effective ionization occurs throughout the entire body. Ooh, radiation. Well, that sounds high tech. Um, are there any side effects to it though? With whole body radiation, ionization causes loss of function of the more sensitive tissues and organs. The degree of loss depends upon the dosage. If the exposure is both general and severe, death results. Ugh, buzzkill. But um, I have a lot of faith in the medical system, so there's got to be something else to uh, help me out. Got to be a way to get me feeling better. Uh, what about you, Doc? What can you give me to help me feel better? Oxycontin, Xanax, bars, Percocets, and Lorotab. Values, morphine, patches, ecstasy, and it's all up for grab. What you want, what you need, hit me up, I got you, man. What you want, what you need, hit me yeah, I'm definitely going with the drugs. Welcome back to Conspiracy Guide. My name is Sean, and I will be your board-certified, in-network, and always zero-copay conspiracy guide. Yeah, typical of me to uh, take the drugs instead of those other great treatment options. But yeah, it is what it is. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Modern medicine, our, our modern uh, medical system, our medical industrial complex. And today is kind of the 30,000 foot overview, or maybe it's like the view from the space station because it's pretty broad. So maybe it's the 250 mile up view <laughs> or whatever that is. Before we get into all that, I do want to thank everyone. Um, you must be sharing the podcast because it's trending up in a big way. So thank you for those shares. I really do appreciate it. If you would be so kind, if you could rate and review the podcast, it's really helpful to the algorithms. And I've got another, got another ask of you uh, today as well. So last week, you may have noticed, I dropped an Amazon link in the podcast notes for a candle lantern, right? Kind of weird. And although I do really love that candle lantern, it's super cool the way it works. It's like, I, I guess you could use it for emergency power outages and the candle has like a spring underneath it. And as the candle burns, it doesn't actually burn down. It stays in the same spot because the candle flame heats up this metal mandrel thing around. It's really cool the way it works, but that's not actually the reason why I put it in the show notes or not specifically. My Amazon affiliate link allows me to see the clicks on those. And so that is another metric for me to understand the engagement to the podcast. So my other request this week is that if you could 
click on one of the Amazon links for one of the books. Doesn't matter if you buy one. I don't even make money on the program anyway, but I do like to see those clicks. So if you could do me that favor, if you could click on one of those Amazon links, I would really appreciate it. The other thing before we get started is I will be going to Anarchopulco this year. It is something I've wanted to go to for a long time. If you're not familiar with what Anarchopulco is, it is in Acapulco, Mexico. And I believe it's from the February, I'm going to say 2nd to the 10th or 4th through the 10th, something like that. I'll post a uh, link to that in the show notes. But it's kind of an anarchy convention, kind of a uh, place for uh, people who... I guess have alternative ideas about life to get together and discuss those things. A lot of the people that I really uh, trust for information and, and I consume their content, they're going to be there. So I hope to meet some, some of them, uh, maybe some new people I haven't heard of. Hopefully I can bring some of their stories back to this podcast and who knows, maybe an interview out of it or something. But when I get back, I will do an episode on that. And if you're going for, you know, if you're out there and you're also going, shoot me an email. Uh, maybe we can connect while we're there. All right. So medicine, our modern medical industrial complex, kind of what is it? Where did it start? There's been a lot of talk about it lately for obvious reasons. You know, we're just kind of coming out of, I don't know, maybe the craziest time in medical history. Well, at least in recent medical history, I guess there were some plagues and whatnot before, but certainly in our lifetime, this has got to be the most significant. So there's been a lot of talk about the medical system and, and what it is and where it came from. Excuse me. Now you would be forgiven for thinking that our medical system is the result of tried and tested science. Like there was a series of trials and errors and because we think about medicine as this benevolent pursuit, you would imagine that those trials and those errors ultimately would sort out the beneficial from the harmful. And, and ultimately, the beneficial would win, and that's what would constitute our medical system. The result of that should be the best system for health outcomes. At least that's what you would hope it is. And that's what you probably assume it is. I know that's what I did for a long time. But like so many aspects of our modern culture and our society, well, modern medicine as it exists today is not the most beneficial system possible. I would make the case that modern medicine is the opposite of health care and that it's actually killing us. Now, that can be shocking to hear if you're kind of new to this stuff. And that's why I'm going to do the 30,000 foot view today or that space station view, because it's really hard to imagine that that's actually the case. But it's true because I would say the only benefit to our modern medical system that we have today is really those that are on the receiving end of the billing department. If it does anything good is it's that it generates a lot of money. Now, I also want to make something clear before we continue here that when I'm talking about medicine, it's kind of the medical system broadly and not, not so much um, emergency medicine or emergency surgery, you might ask like, what is the difference between medicine and emergency medicine? It's actually quite a lot. So, you know, if you get into a car accident or you suffer some kind of bodily trauma, well, you'll be damn thankful that, you know, some very skilled surgeons and x-ray techs and nurses were all there to piece you back together. But if you're slowly dying from a chronic or degenerative type disease, modern healthcare has a bunch of expensive pills to sell you, but no cures. And, you know, maybe a quicker death. That's that's really about it that you can hope for. So now that's most of medicine. Most of medicine is that 
kind of chronic disease care, and it really is worthless. But emergency medicine that I mentioned, which I'm not really talking about, is almost a separate discipline altogether. And it's not as much as you might think. Emergency medicine makes up a pretty small part of our medical industrial complex. It's about 2% of the overall uh, where cost is considered. And that is confirmed by the American College of Emergency Medicine. So what makes up the remaining 98% of medicine? Well, mostly poisoning. Uh, Basically, that's what the rest of it is. It's a massive drug cartel, the likes of which would make El Chapo look like a junior high kid selling dime bags. (laughs) Uh, Dime bags. (laughs) Uh, Do kids still buy or (laughs) sell dime bags? Probably not. It's probably uh, like vape pen cartridges now or something. I don't know. I'm so old. I'm so sober. I have no idea what the kids are doing with drugs these days, but... um, Anyway, yeah, it would make El Chapo blush. Um, the healthcare is crazy expensive. In the global market, healthcare is a $12 trillion industry per year. $12 trillion. The U.S., the U.S. makes up 40% of that $12 trillion. And um, by percentage, that's... Uh, it's like, uh, I should have worked this one out. I guess it's four, four, four and a half, four and a half trillion. We're going to go with four and a half trillion, whatever. What's a couple of hundred million here or there. So the U S makes up about 5% of the world population, but I guess 40% of medical spending. And so is it working? I mean, just look around, right? Is, <laughs> Are Americans the healthiest people you know? Because we're taking an outsized share of that medical spending. So we're obviously getting a lot of health care, whatever that is, but it doesn't seem to be working, does it? Um, In another study uh, out of 11, quote, wealthy countries, America came in dead last, dead last. So if you take those figures together and you go, okay, well, Americans spend the most, but they also have the worst. Well, really what you can infer from that is the more healthcare you get, the worse off you are. So it's, so what, what it is, so it's not health. (laughs) That's, that's the point I'm trying to make. It's not health. It's not healthcare. It's a grift. And the article that I found that figure, that $12 trillion figure, um, it is appropriately subtitled key opportunities and strategies because that's what it comes down to. That's why we have this giant bloated, massive quote unquote healthcare system is because it's an opportunity. It's a strategy and it's a way for wall street and the rest of the banks and, and financiers to make money because it does do that. It makes tons and tons of money. So where do we start? Okay. The, the human body is really an amazing organism and it has the ability to heal itself. And so it doesn't need, you know, $12 trillion a year worth of spending to heal it. When you think about ancients or, um, you know, uh, past civilizations. Well, how did they do it? I mean, how did they do it just a few generations ago? You might assume that they were sick or that they didn't live very long because they were savages, right? They were, you know, as we're told, they were um, unsophisticated, uneducated. And so you might assume that because they didn't have our wonderful health care, they were, they were also sick and they didn't live very long too. Well, that's not true. Um, there is a book called Nutrition and Physical G- Degeneration, and it's by Weston A. Price. I'm a huge fan. A uh, huge, huge fan of Weston A. Price. Um, my family, we belong to the Weston A. Price Foundation. So um, if you're curious, look into that. It's a, it's a really great organization that publishes a lot of information about health and nutrition. But anyway, I digress. The book is called uh, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration by Weston A. Price. Now, this guy was a dentist 
And he went around the world back in the, I guess it was the 20s or 30s, looking for indigenous populations, like, you know, people who, who hadn't been poisoned yet by the food or weren't forced to, like, work inside a dark factory all day and you know, so I guess so they could buy poison food. Anyway, the, the people he was studying weren't really touched by, you know, Western food or, or Western medicine yet. So what he found uh, uh, with these people who, who hadn't been exposed to that stuff was that they were like specimens of the human form. They were muscular. They had wide jaws with perfectly straight teeth. They had no signs of cancer or heart disease or any kind of degenerative diseases the people he saw were were fit and healthy and not a single one of them had an HMO or a PPO to speak of so uh the other thing that was interesting is is that the old people didn't kind of wither away in a dementia state they were active members of the community until they basically just died in their sleep in most cases. So uh, they were living a, a much higher quality of life as far as health and fitness were concerned. And so a lot of that has to do with with what we eat because these populations were exposed to Western food after the, uh, after the book was published and they were restudied later. A lot of them were exposed to the medicine, um, which, it, which is also degenerative and, as we'll see, really bad for our health. So... Where did we go wrong? Because we have gone wrong, especially where medicine is concerned. Well, in this case, uh, medicine specifically, we can actually point to where it all went wrong. And that point is the Flexner Report of 1910. And that Flexner Report is basically the inflection point for medicine or for modern medicine anyway. We call it the Flexner Report. It was written by a guy called Abraham Flexner. And the report is actually called uh, Medical Education in the United States and Canada. And it was commissioned by the Carnegie Foundation and unofficially by the Rockefellers. The author, uh, Abraham Flexner, his brother was the medical director for the Rockefeller Foundation. It's a big old incestuous relationship once you, uh, I guess, get up to that point of elitism. But anyway, so yeah, I, I mean, when the when the when the number one richest guy in the world and the number two richest guy in the world who control complete monopoly industries at that time, it was uh, iron and and oil. When those two guys get together to study the medical industry. They're, I guess they're just doing it because they love you, right? I mean, that's, of course they are. You know, just like Bill Gates prances around the world with his sweater vests and bitch tits shooting up brown people with vaccines that sterilize them. Oh my God. It is just, it's awful. But I digress. So anyway, Carnegie and Rockefeller, um, they couldn't have cared any less about the health of the common person. Not any less. The purpose for their inquiry, um, the report, was to find out how they could shape health and medicine into an industry that they could monopolize and control as they had already done with with, um, steel and oil. And they were successful. Homeopathy, uh, chiropractic, herbal medicine... Um, kind of dietary health, all those things were made to go away as the result of this report, as a result of the Flexner report. And so that left really only allopathic medicine um, in in their place. And uh, allopathic medicine is like the perfect type of medicine to exploit. Allopathy means treating illness with uh, like a remedy or an agent, uh, a non-natural chemical mostly. It's not herbal medicine. So f- it's funny, when when you look up allopathy in Wikipedia, um, and you know Wikipedia is, is the like deep state Orwellian ministry of truth, right? So I mean, don't take my word for it. The founder has said so himself. It's essentially like, um, you know, if, if you want to figure out what the, what the regime wants you to believe, 
um, dig into Wikipedia and you know, for, for the surface level topics, I'm sure it's just fine. But you know, when you, when you get into some of the more uh, conspiratorial, let's say you ain't getting any truth from Wikipedia anyway. Anyway, if you look up allopathy, uh, in Wikipedia, it says allopathic medicine or allopathy is an archaic label for science-based modern medicine. That's right, people. It's science-based. Don't be a science denier. <laughs> but it's true. They're right. Because modern medicine is just an extension of the science cult. Because that's that's what it is. I mean, trust the science. That's the dumbest thing you can ever say. I mean, anyone who says trust the science, do not trust them. Science is not meant for trusting. The scientific method is all about questioning and proving itself wrong or proving a hypothesis wrong. Don't trust the science. Don't ever trust the science. Trust the data and don't trust the data interpreted by someone else. Get it yourself. <laughs> Oh, it's funny though, right? It's funny though, right? Because, uh, yeah, it's science-based medicine. Don't look any further. Pay no attention to the collapsing football players. It's climate change. It's the gas stove. It's racism. Just trust the science. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so, I should say here that this attempt to monopolize medicine in the hands of a few. It wasn't new to 1910. So this attempt in, in some form has been going on for a thousand years for a thousand years. At least we've been demonizing healers. You ever heard of a witch? <laughs> yeah. The creepy, scary witch. Well, my wife actually pointed this one out to me. So how do we think of witches? Th think about the kind of, uh, you know, your, your typical Halloween witch. How do we think about them? Well, it's women with cauldrons and potions and such flying around on brooms with cats. So this woman who makes herbal medicines, herbal, herbal remedies, has a broom, so she keeps her place clean <laughs> and, uh, and has a cat. Well, we have a cat. You know why we have a cat? Because they're good at keeping disease carrying vermin away. So the witches were the healers, but they couldn't be allowed to practice their craft because after all, after all, they were, they were the, the powerful men who needed to make money to, you know, uh, assess your black bile and to sell you leeches and bloodletting and mercury and radium and whatever. Uh, but the witches were constantly demonized for practicing essentially natural medicine and for being the, uh, you know, technicians of, of the human body for being the intuitive health healers. And so, you know, it really is uh, a, a, an excellent way. Uh, medicine is an excellent scam if you make it that because you can sort of say, uh, you know, take this product, buy this product or the alternative. And, you know, in, in, in a lot of medicine, the alternative is death. So you can't even put a price on it. It is really the ultimate product to exploit and sell. So, all right, back to the Flexner report real quick. Um, after the report, the Rockefellers and the Carnegie's and the you know rest of the robber baron scumbags, what they did was they started funding medical schools with that report um, as their kind of impetus or their um, reason to do so. Isn't that nice of them? Oh man, it's just, it's so nice of them. The, the Rockefellers and the, and the Carnegie's, these guys are just so charitable. They were just giving so much money to these medical schools, but they did want to be paid back. Of course they wanted to be paid back. These guys don't do anything for free. So how'd they do this? How'd they get paid back for all their generosity or, or what Bill Gates these days calls philanthro capitalism. Yeah. Look that one up. Man, that guy's the worst. Anyway. 
How did they do this? How did they get paid back for all their generosity? It was with drugs. They wanted patentable drugs. They wanted petrochemical drugs. They wanted drugs made out of oil. Yes, for real. That's what the whole goal was. The goal was to make drugs out of oil. I mean, after all, who had all the oil at that time? So it seemed like kind of a crazy proposition at the time. I know to us, um, we are so kind of um, uh, used to this medical system, but at the time it seemed kind of crazy to pull this off. So how did they get the doctors on their side? How did they get them this new class of doctors to participate in essentially what was a, uh, a, a grander scale snake oil scam? Well, they, they did it the same way they did everything up to that point with money, of course. So notice a theme here. So before this time, before the turn of this, before the turn of the last century, whatever, uh, being a doctor was like, was like any other job. They observed a problem and they uh, recommended a solution to, to fix it in a, in a similar way to what a mechanic or a plumber would do today. Doctors were just technicians for the human body and, uh, they were a job a, a lot like any other. But these new medical schools were very, very expensive, and they were very expensive on purpose. They created this imprimata of exclusivity and elitism, and no longer was the doctor just a, a person with intimate knowledge of, of health and wellness. No, these, these new doctors um, were special because they had permission to wield these dangerous chemicals in, in pursuit of cures, although, you know, that's not the case. But, but uh, they, had, they had permission that was, that was granted to them, though, by the very people that were selling the chemicals because those same people who were granting them the permission, well, they could also buy off the politicians at the time. So... Um, and, and they could charge big money. They could charge really big money for this service now. And, um, doctors became the new high income earners. They, they moved into a higher social circle and the incentive was created for them to be the salesman, um, for this new system. You know, money has a way of doing that. You offer people a bunch of money and, you know, sometimes the morals and ethics, uh, a blind eye gets turned to them. So the system has a major flaw and that system or that, that major flaw, I should say of this system is that it doesn't work because you cannot be poisoned back to health. You cannot be poisoned back to to health. So this allopathic medical system will never work. So, so here we are. So medic medicine, um, you know, before the, uh, the Flexner report was kind of humbly chugging along with many different practices and a, a, a bunch of variety of, of treatments to offer. Um, really until these, absolute sons of bitches came along to put their thumbs on the scale so that they could squeeze a few more dollars for themselves out of desperate people looking for a cure. And that's really, really what it comes down to. Now, all right, uh, when they did it with oil and steel, okay, that's one thing. But when you decide to dictate the terms of somebody else's health sovereignty, for more monopolistic control, that's just evil. It's pure evil. Again, you know, steel, oil, whatever. We need those things, so whatever. Charge as much as people are willing to pay for it. But when it comes to your life, your health, your just presence on this earth in many cases, to monopolize that and to twist it to your means, I can't think of anything much more evil than that. And that's what they did. That's who the who the Rockefellers were, and the Carnegies for that matter, and pretty much all the robber barons of that time. So, all right. So um, after this goes down, after the Flexner report goes down, or I, not even after, it's kind of around the same time 
Um, there was another way that that they were able to accomplish their means. Another, I, I should say, organization, and that's the AMA, the American Medical Association. Now, one way that you can tell if somebody is truly a shitbag is if they blame you for doing the exact same thing that they're guilty of themselves, right? It's, it's pretty clear cut. There's a lot of that going on lately today. But um, the American Medical Association did just that. They took off around the same time as the Flexner report, you know, probably, uh, probably happened through some, some more generous donations, you know, but what they did was they made it their mission. It was their goal, their practice, you might say, of finding and calling out fake doctors, you know, quacks. Uh, that term was, was, uh, was real popular with them at this time. And, uh, it was, it was under the leadership of these two guys named uh, Doc Simmons and, and Dr. Fishbein. And the thing about Doc Simmons and, and Dr. Fishbein, though, <laughs> is that they, they weren't actually doctors. Uh, no, and, and, and it's not like they were claiming they weren't. No, they were claiming that they were. They were hucksters. They were the quacks. And they cared nothing about the state of American medicine at all. Um, they were only there to enrich themselves and they were embroiled in all kinds of controversy. I'm not going to detail it here, but, um, there has been research that traced these guys back. Like I think it was, um, doc Simmons. He had just outright faked some, some medical degree, uh, I think he moved from Ireland or something like that. The other guy uh, didn't finish medical school, but uh, said he did. So the point is that um, the, the American Medical Association started out as a giant fraud. And I don't think it's changed that much from its roots. It's a highly political organization. It doesn't seem to be results-based medicine. It certainly isn't considered with our health. The book that I'm going to recommend at the end gives a really detailed account of the American Medical Association and those two quacks that uh, founded it and ran the thing. All right. So anyway, we have the Rockefellers. We got the Carnegie's with their filthy liver spotted hands all up in our health. We got the AMA, which became the henchmen for uh, for those guys. And, and now we start to get to the origins of the drug industrial complex that we have just raging today. The practice of medicine is not all that profitable unless you can sell something, something preferably very, very expensive. Uh, just telling people how to get healthy, telling people what interventions they can make in their life on their own. Well, that's not very profitable. You got to sell them something. And it's not just drugs, although that makes up a massive part of it. Um, medical devices and, and surgical procedures, non-emergency surgical procedures, those make up another large part of the uh, medical industrial complex grift that we have today. I heard this story about this one cardiologist and I guess he was a cardiologist surgeon, but all he did all day was put in heart stents all day, every day. That's all he did. The dude was making millions of dollars a year personally. Like he was making millions of dollars a year and he was making 40, $50 million a year or something, um, in the article for the hospital that he was working for. And so basically he just had this staff that was getting people prepped in room after room. And he would just go down the hall, popping stents in people's hearts. One after one, boom, 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 40,000, 60,000 a pop, bam, 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 one after another. And it was just a cash cow, just a money making machine because you know, 
if your arterial walls are getting narrower, the best thing you can probably do is put a Chinese finger trap in there to fix it, right? No, of course not. The best thing you can do is correct the lifestyle choices that you've been making that led you into that position in the first place. It's obvious, but these things are so damn profitable. Nobody will step in and say, hey, maybe we shouldn't be doing that because, you know, the hospital administrators, everyone's on the take. Do you think that doctor's going to stop doing it? Hell no. I mean, for a couple million dollars a year, that's a hard sell to get him away from it. Anyway, back to the drugs. <laughs> back to the drugs. I'm getting heated on this one, right? Um, these drug companies... Uh, Back when all this started going down, back in the origins of our current medical system, these drug companies started making bank. I mean, they were just printing money and they realized real quick that this was like the ultimate grift. And if you put all the natural medicine and the homeopathic remedies and the chiropractors and the Eastern medicine doctors and everyone else out of business and all you leave is the drug pushers, that's a pretty sweet deal. I mean, how could it not be profitable. And really it just becomes an endless feedback loop because the drug companies charge an obscene amount of money for, uh, drugs that, you know, you must have or else you're going to die. And they, they buy off the doctors by funding medical schools and research programs and <laughs> hiring sexy women as sales reps and, and paying for fancy vacations that they call medical re-education. And then these doctors turn around and prescribe the meds and the cycle continues. It's a completely captured system. So, and then, and then just in case, just in case your doctor isn't convincing enough to sell you the poison well, we have a unique situation here in America. Oh, and and uh, also New Zealand. Shout out to New Zealand. We have a few listeners there, so shout out to New Zealand. Um, so yeah, if the if the doctor isn't able to uh, convince you to take the poison, well, what is this unique situation that we have in the U.S. and New New Zealand? Well. We, uh, the drug companies are able to advertise prescription drugs to the public only in two countries. And, uh, you know, these commercials, you know, them <laughs> something like, uh, do you feel bad? <laughs> are people disgusted by your grotesque appearance? You should feel better. <laughs> people might like you. You could ride a horse, ask your doctor about, expensive side effects may include loss of taste and smell hallucinations bloody urine and death only your doctor can say if expensive is is right for you so go ask them do it <laughs> maybe your life won't suck anymore if you do <laughs> you know, those commercials are insane it's a crazy situation we us people the supposedly medical uneducated go to our doctors and ask them for the latest pill. We ask them for the treatment that we aren't experts on. Think about that. Uh, so these doctors went to medical school to know all this stuff, to assess our health and determine our treatment. And we go ask them for the drug that the drug companies told us we need that the Big booby sales lady told the doctor he should sell. <laughs> oh, but is it working? Does it help us in spite uh, of all of that pushing? No, of course and not. These, of, of course not. These drugs don't help us. Uh, medical mistakes, as we've already discussed in a previous podcast, medical mistakes are the third leading cause of death in this country. It's like 800,000 of them a year. 106,000 of those are deaths from drugs that were prescribed correctly. I'm, I'm doing air quotes. I know you can't see that. Yes. Drugs that were prescribed correctly. A hundred plus thousand people a year die from drugs that were correctly prescribed. So sorry about your luck. Nurse, send in the next patient. <laughs> oh, it's uh, it's hilarious 
uh, because it's so sick. But remember the government though is supposed to, aren't they supposed to have a department that is tasked with keeping us safe from these drugs? Yeah, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, very important, very important Food and Drug Administration. These are very serious, very scientific people, don't you know? Well, these they're so serious, these people, they're so serious that they actually tweeted, if you remember, this was after Joe, Joe Rogan talked about ivermectin. They actually tweeted, you are not a horse. You are not a cow. Seriously, y'all, stop it. Yes, the FDA tweeted the word y'all. It was about ivermectin. It was political, obviously, uh, to, for them to, to to call it horse paste. That, that must have been the uh, memo that got out from, from D.C. that week. It was totally political. And um, it's because th- the FDA... Uh, was running cover because their drug dealer buddies in the drug companies had vaccines to sell and they couldn't get in the way of that. Because ivermectin is as much horse paste as tuna is cat food. Ivermectin is good for essentially all mammals as far as I know. Ivermectin was called a wonder drug at one time. It won a Nobel Prize. The stuff seems to work for everything. And that's probably why, that's probably why they don't want the word getting out because it seems to be just a very effective uh, sort of treatment. And it seems to work for everything. It's an anti-parasitic and uh, it treats a whole host of stuff. You should probably, you should probably get some. (laughs) This is not medical advice, but you should probably get some. You can get it on Amazon for emergencies (laughs) for your horse. (laughs) Oh, so yeah. So the FDA, geez, what a bunch of clowns. All right. The FDA, um, they just, they just also, I don't know if you remember this. I don't know if you heard, I sound like Jay Leno. Do you remember this? Did you hear this? Um, they, they just approved an Alzheimer's drug and it has no benefit and they didn't even like try and hide that. It's called, um, Adahelm, Adahelm. Yeah. And, uh, some stupid name like that. These drugs anyway, Adahelm. They put these names on them to make them sound important. They're like, oh, you, you, you must be dumb if you don't understand this this very complicated word. It's science. It's This is science. We we know what we're doing. Take 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 this very complicated, uh, very, very uh, expensive drug. Yeah, so out of hell, it doesn't do anything. And they admit this. Uh, they, they didn't care at all. It's like, who cares? You know, it's, ah, whatever. It's all Alzheimer's patients. Screw them. They're screwed anyway. Why not milk them for another 56000 a year? Because that's how much it costs. $56,000 for one year of treatment for this drug. And, and it has no clinical benefit. No clinical benefit. So, yeah, milk another fifty-six grand out of them right there at the end of life, right? <laughs> Who's going to notice anyway? They already have Alzheimer's. Oh, geez. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks guys, at, at FDA. It's not surprising though. I know I make jokes about this stuff, but it's really not surprising because the FDA gets 45% of its budget from drug companies. It gets 45% of its budget from users fees for the drug companies they're supposed to be regulating. Yeah. Yeah. Has nobody realized that? Has nobody realized that half of your profit coming from the organizations you're supposed to be regulating? Doesn't that sound like a conflict of interest to anyone? Is anyone paying attention? No, the answer is no. The the answer is no. I've been to Washington, D.C. Nobody's paying attention. It's because they don't care. They they really don't care about you. They they don't care uh, about your health. It's it's not what it's about. Uh, this, this system is just meant to, you know, give you a pill for every ill, even though it's more like an ill because of every pill. And it's just to, to bill you for every pill for every ill, I guess I should say, uh, they, they, it, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. There's no way you can just make a pill for every ill because the human body is intensely complicated. There are just so many systems that need to work in harmony 
for you to be healthy. The, the interplay between those systems, it's crucial. But Western medicine doesn't view the body this way. The, the body is not a bunch of independent systems uh, working apart from one another. It, it's an entire ecosystem and everything works together. And, but med, mo, Western medicine, modern medicine, it, it, it kind of goes something like this. So you go to your cardiologist and he probably says, oh, you, you uh, need a statin. <laughs> Chances are if you go to a cardiologist, that's what they're going to tell you. Don't even get me started on statins. But anyway. Back to my example. So you go to your cardiologist. He says, all right, you need a statin. Uh, why, why do I need a statin? Oh, because you're a heart attack risk. Oh, why is that? Because because uh, you got cholesterol. Well, what's cholesterol? Uh, well, that's a hormone. <laughs> oh, so my, my hormone's out of whack. Well, better go see an endocrinologist. They might have a drug for you. But, you know, taking all those drugs, how's your liver doing uh, uh, with all these drugs? Maybe go down the hall to the hepatologist because... You know, they might be able to prescribe something to help your liver. And, you know, maybe, maybe with all that, your body starts to attack itself, you know, because that's a thing because, because the body is apparently your innards are, are suicidal. So maybe your body's attacking itself. Um, this is what we call a, a autoimmune disease. Yeah, that's what it's called. Autoimmune disease. You better go see the rheumatologist for your, you know, monthly biologic shot. But, you know, with all those meds, how are your joints? Are your joints feeling? Are you inflamed from all these drugs? Well, I, you know what? I'll, I'll give you a recommendation. Why don't you go down and see the orthopedic surgeon? You know, they might be able to, to uh, get you an artificial, you know, hip or something to fix that. So you can see in this system that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And um, at each step, it's just more poison and more mutilation and and um, until they've really just milked you for for every insurance dollar that you have. And and you can tell that this is the way the system worked because, you know, what did we hear during COVID? That the average COVID death had like four comorbidities, four comorbidities. Like how, how can you have that many things going wrong? And do you have a pill for each one of those comorbidities for each one of those issues? Well, no, uh, they're all chronic diseases and they're all stemming from the same thing. They're, they're all stemming from, uh, you know, nutrition, exercise, uh, being inside all day, living a sed sedentary lifestyle. That's what all that stuff is coming from. So it might sound like a terrible system. I'm really, you know, I'm being hard on, on, on doctors. I'm, I'm trying to illust illustrate a, a point in, uh, you know, kind of the most extreme way. But I, I actually believe that these doctors, um, they're, they're good people. I believe that most of them got into their field to help people. And that's really what they want to do. And the problem is that these doctors, in spite of them being good people who want to heal, they're beholden to the standard of care. These are the protocols that must be followed by doctors in order to shield them from malpractice and to maintain their board certifications. And, you know, if you uh, to maintain your board certifications and your license for that matter. So if doctors deviate from the standards of care um, that they are subject to, um, they can be disciplined. Uh, they can even set themselves up for legal and, and criminal prosecution. So who makes these standards of care? Well, it's the same people who we've already discussed. Surprise, surprise. It's, you know, it's the, the AMA and the, and the schools that are funded by the drug companies and the medical research, uh, medical researchers who are, you know, conducting the studies that are paid for by the drug companies and the people who sit on those boards who probably also sit on the boards of drug companies. There's a lot of that going on too. But imagine that. I'm, it, it, it's, it's a bit sad to imagine. Imagine if you're a doctor and you have this idea that you want to get into medicine to be a healer because I think a lot of people are drawn to that. I think people do want to help. I think they want to be healers in the same way that people want to be protectors. Um, people want to be healers. I think it's a, a pursuit that certain people are drawn to. So imagine 
you are called to be a doctor. You want to help people and you devote like a quarter of your life going to school to do this. And uh, you take out possibly hundreds of thousands of dollars to get this education, sometimes in loans. And uh, you endure the sleep deprivation and the military style indoctrination of med school and residency and Maybe you notice that once you're out there in the real world that your patients aren't really getting better with the medication that you're prescribing to them. Because after all, especially if you're a just a general practitioner um, or something like that, you know, really, what else are you doing? I mean, you're just given medication and maybe you see that that medication isn't making your patients healthier. It's not making them better like you set out to make your life's work. But if you don't recommend that statin drug and uh, and they have a heart attack or or what if you don't encourage your patient, your patient to get the you know, completely untested covid vaccine and the medical boards find out? Is it really worth throwing away a career? Is it really worth just completely flushing away your job that you use to support your family? Yeah, I mean, it's probably the most moral thing to do, but is it realistic? Probably not, because it's probably a lot easier to convince yourself that the medical machine that you work for is working for your patients. It'd be a really hard realization to come to when literally your entire livelihood is on the line if you don't just follow suit. So... Unfortunately, though, my prediction is it's going to get a lot easier for doctors to make those decisions because they won't even be needed in the future. Unfortunately, yeah, I think that's what's going on. I've kind of kind of seen it play out recently. Um, We discussed just I mean, the standards of care. There you go. The standards of care removes agency from a doctor and, and they're just a list of protocol. It doesn't take much to, uh, you know, implement a standard of care. The, um, hospitals now also use something called the Epic system, which is essentially just the like internet survey version of medicine. It's like, which astrological sign are you really? Um, well, that's what you do. You just basically answer, pull down menu questions and it spits out a treatment. So, uh, that's what it is. I mean, it's just uh, your cattle now. You know, you you have been uh, relegated down to um, a, a a medical algorithm, and um, you know maybe it works for you, or maybe you're one of the hundred and six thousand a year that dies from that treatment. But you know, whatever, made a lot of money uh, doing it. So I was just in Vegas recently, and I saw I saw the creepiest thing. I I saw a booth, and it looked like a big photo booth. And, um, you would, you would get inside and, and sit down and put your arm in the, in the cuff, kind of like they have there at CVS or whatever. And things drop out of the ceiling and they're like things that measure sort of other, I don't know, biomarkers or metrics. I I don't really know what it was doing, but, um, it was a, it was a virtual, doctor basically it was that that's that's what they said it was it was a virtual doctor booth so you you get in and the door closes and it i guess it pokes and prods you or whatever it gets, gets your vital signs i didn't get in the damn thing definitely not but i, I can imagine that you know once you're in there it's like the once the machine's all grabbing onto you and stuff then like dr strange love comes on the screen he's like just write you the prescriptions that will help you. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like I said, I didn't get in the damn thing. So um, I, I don't even go to a real doctor. I'm sure as hell not going to go to Dr. Hal. That's for sure. Yeah. Two Kubrick references. and <laughs> Yeah, that guy occupies a lot of space in my brain. A lot of space in my brain. But um, anyway. Uh, let's bring this thing in for a landing. <laughs> Getting a little off topic here. <laughs> let's bring it in for a moon landing. How about that? Hey, <laughs> there's another Kubrick reference. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to the moon episode. By the way, moon episode's doing great. People are loving the moon episode. Um, 
All right, let's bring this thing in for landing for real. The medical system that we have today is irreparably damaged. It's totally beholden to the drug companies. And these drugs largely do no better than doing nothing at all. Officially, officially, they don't do much better than doing nothing at all. And unofficially, they're probably ruining our health and killing us. I'll say it again. You cannot be poisoned back to health. You cannot be poisoned back to health, but you can be healthy. You absolutely can't. Um, the medical system wants your health to be out of your control. They want you to think that the only way to be healthy is beyond your control, that you need somebody else with a prescription pad to save you, but you don't need that. Your health can be in your hands. We have never had more information available to us than we do today. It's getting harder to find because of censorship, but it's out there. And so we have more information available to us than any humans have ever had. And, um, well, it's obvious. It should be obvious. It's obvious, right? I'm not a medical doctor. It should be very obvious. Definitely not a medical doctor. So this is not medical advice. But me personally, me personally, I am against all non-emergency drugs. Essentially all drugs that, that treat any kind of chronic disease. I don't think a single one of them work. So every drug has side effects and it's a slippery slope. And once that slope is slipped, it's just an endless cycle of side effects and more drugs and more side effects and more drugs. But you don't need it. Talk to your doctor. <laughs> I don't think you need it. I don't need it. Um, but what can we do? Well, we can certainly eat healthy. And I am guilty of breaking this one as anyone. I love Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I eat too much of it. But anyway, what can we do? We can eat healthy. We can incorporate dynamic movement into our lives. We can get outside. This one's really important. We have to get outside in nature. We have to ground our feet against the earth. We have to get that sunlight onto our skin and into our eyes. It's very important that you get sunlight into your eyes. Um, if you're in an, if you're in an area with low sunlight, like I am, take a vitamin D supplement. Um, because sun is really important to us. We spend so much time, um, inside. What else can we do? We can, we can find doctors with alternative opinions and just see what they have to say. Talk to a naturopath because they're not going to hurt you. Talk to a Chinese, uh, medicine, a, a traditional Chinese medicine doctor. It is incredible. The things that Chinese medicine can diagnose just by looking at you. Um, even find a, even find an allopathic doctor that is willing to put in the time and do the blood work and, and really assess your true health. Look at that blood work and see what your vitamins, your minerals, your hormones look like. And uh, hey, if you got insurance, that's a good thing to use it for. Get some blood tests from your doctor. But um, yeah, do do those things. We We can do this without doctors. We can take our health and put it back in our hands. We don't need to be subjects of the drug companies. We don't need to be slaves to their prescriptions and, and have them ruin our health just so that they can make a buck. You have agency. You are one of the smart ones. And I know that because you're listening to Conspiracy Guide. Uh, well, we have a lot of medicine-based topics coming up, and it can be hard to accept that our medical system is anything but helpful and necessary and um, beneficial for us and a benevolent pursuit uh, by those who are doing it. So um, so I'm trying to lay some groundwork here because it's, it's, it's going to be difficult to understand some of the topics coming up if I just... Uh, you know, come right out and start beating you over the head with all my medical hatred. But um, I hope this was a, was a, 
a good rundown of the high or the low points of, of medicine. And um, I'm going to close with this. I have some very old encyclopedias. I really love old encyclopedias. And when I write about a topic, I like to look them up in, in, in my old encyclopedias. I like to get a perspective from a different time. And uh, reading here from one of my encyclopedias, this one's from 1930, um, in this section called Story of Medicine and Drugs. Quote, our bodies often make medicine inside themselves after we get sick and most diseases get well in this way without any outside medicine at all. It is the greatest mistake in the world to suppose that whenever we are sick, we need medicine. I think those are wise words and I think they're timeless words and I think we could live by them again today. All right, let's get to the books. I have uh, two books to recommend today. The first one is one of my favorite books of all times. Really, it is uh, just one of my favorites. It's called Murder by Injection by Eustace Mullins. And <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. I hadn't really thought about it this way. It's really funny that one of my favorite books of all time is called Murder by Injection. But anyway, it the reason I love it is because the book pulls no punches. It's brutally honest. It's well-researched. And it's a great account of the kind of foundations of our medical system, the horrors of it and the failures of it. The book has become really popular lately in conspiracy communities. I'm really glad to see that it has. Fortunately for me, I found this book right as the uh, pandemic or what a fake pandemic was getting started. And um, so it was really nice to kind of separate myself from status quo medicine before the insanity really hit. It was a, it was a good way to view our medical system with a different perspective. And um, this book is going to come up in the future. So if you're interested at all in this kind of stuff, I would recommend that you do get a copy of it. Uh, do get a copy of it because you, um, you won't be disappointed. <clears throat> And, uh, and if you do want, to, if you do want to be disappointed, I've got another book for you. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't be so critical. I'm anyway, uh, this, uh, the other book that I, that I read, uh, because I read the other book a long time ago, but, uh, another book that I picked up in preparation for this episode is called the lethal dose by Jennifer Daniels, who is an MD and an MBA. So, so, you know, it's good anyway. This is more of a booklet. It's um, it's, it's real small book, big print. You could probably read it in an afternoon. And um, I shouldn't be so critical, uh, but because because it's actually a pretty good book. But um, it's about this woman who who went to Harvard and and Penn and um, Wharton Business School, and uh, she goes through all that, and then she becomes a, a, a medical doctor, and she. Uh, realizes that the system is not helping her patients and that it's actually hurting them. And she starts to um, take the steps to actually heal her patients. And, you know, those steps certainly aren't approved by the uh, drug companies and all their standards of care and everything. So it's her account of all of that. The reason I guess I'm so critical of it is it feels like she might be like a, like a fellow autistic or something. Um, and, and kind of like trying to write for like a, a mass audience and, and kind of trying to dumb it down in a way. It's, it's very strange because, um, it has some really good points in it, but for somebody who was smart enough to go to all those schools and accomplish so much, it's a, it's a very like, like a elementary read. I, it's very, it's very strange. <laughs> I don't know. Get it. See what you think. I mean, tell me if I'm being too critical about the book, but it, the nice thing about it is it requires very little commitment and it cover, covers some of the, I don't know, more dangerous points of our, our healthcare system. So anyway, um, <laughs> check out those books. Boy, I'm one hell of a salesman, right? 
Oh, Jennifer Daniels probably not going to be coming on my podcast anytime soon. I probably don't have to worry about that. Actually. I think she, uh, she, she says she's like on terror watch list or something. She's like, she's like, uh, been exiled to Panama. I just ruined the whole book. <laughs> terrible salesperson. Anyway, uh, I would appreciate even if you don't buy that terrible book. Um, just click on, on one of those links and it would be really helpful, helpful to me. I'm trying to, uh, gauge the engagement. I would really appreciate that. And, um, until next time, how about a, uh, a, uh, 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 a healthy, a wealthy and wise 2023. We'll see you next time.